If you've bought property, you likely funded your purchase partly through a mortgage. If the property increases in value over time by more than the cost of the borrowing, you're better off. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. This is a podcast by the Rask Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show. Welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. We're on a mission to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. I'm Owen Rask, founder of the Rask Group. I'm Pete Wardgen, author and buyer's agent. I'm Amy Lenardi, and I am a buyer's agent. I'm Chris Bates, ex-financial planner and mortgage broker. Together, we'll take you through every step of your property journey. From first home buyer to decades of property investing. Amy Lunardi, welcome to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. Hello, Owen. It's good to be back with you and recording. It's been too long, I feel like, but it's good to see you again. We were recording, uh, we're not recording, we saw you present up in Sydney recently at the uh, the roadshow, you, Pete and Chris all on stage together. It was a pretty uh, pinch me moment for me, Amy, to see all three of you up there. <laughs> yeah. You do such a good job and we don't often get together, right? Like we're not no. always in the same location. Well, we all live, well, you and I live in the same uh, city, Owen, but not really anywhere near each other. But otherwise, we mm. all live in different states. So, yeah, it's yeah. not often we're all there together in person. It was fabulous. Yeah, it was. And uh, we had a few questions that relate to the topic that we're talking about today, which is that, you know, some people think like the, the property market is getting away from them. They're not sure like if there's any light at the end of the tunnel and they're trying to find a place and they, everything just slips between their fingers every time. So this is the episode for anyone in that boat, whether they're first home buyers, upgraders, whatever the case may be, downsizers, however you're going about and whatever you're going about buying, um, today's episode is for you. If you do have any questions, you can send them through to us. There is a link in the show notes every week that uh, says ask a question. Just hit the Australian Property Podcast and either Amy Pete, Chris, or myself um, can take that and uh, we can hopefully answer it. So, Amy, uh, in Sydney, some people were asking us, um, you know, well, it was more like a frustration than anything. They said, I just keep missing out. And obviously for people who are looking to secure a home or an investment, it becomes really disheartening for them when they finally find a property that they like and it kind of just falls away. So, I guess the first thing, just do you see this a lot? Do you deal with clients who are in this situation and they come to you kind of exhausted with the search? It's a really common issue that I see. And this episode is not only for people who are out there in the market and they keep missing out. It's also for anyone who is at the point where they feel like they're ready. And when I say ready, I mean mm -hmm. financially. So you've got your pre-approval ready, you've got your finance sorted. 
and you're emotionally ready to buy a property. And that is a whole separate journey that it takes to get to the point of being ready. But maybe then they're out there and they haven't even, they're not even missing out on things. They're just searching and not finding what they want or feeling despondent because you know, it's so competitive out there. So perhaps they've been looking for a while and not even missing out, just not getting any results. So in this episode, we're going to have a chat about some of the common reasons why that might happen and how to to work through uh, problem solving that. So the natural question then is like some people, well, obviously you do this for a profession, you're a buyer's agent here in Melbourne. Um, a natural question that people might think if this is their first time, for example, they think, well, this seems like it's taken an eternity. Um, how long should it take? Is there a rule for this? Like mm. anything that you can come up with there? Yeah. And I don't think there would be any official statistics out there on how long on average it takes someone to buy a property because um, I don't think anyone's sitting down there re- reporting to anyone, hey, I- I'm starting to look and, and now I've purchased. Yeah. And of course, there's no rush. So that's what we want to, I guess, emphasize with this whole episode. There is no rush to say I'm ready to buy and I'm going to buy within four weeks. That's not the overarching goal here. Mm. But if it is taking a really, really long time, it can actually impact you in more ways than one. First of all, the market could be increasing and your opportunity cost is then your purchasing your purchasing power eroding, not being able to afford what you want anymore. But it's also just a really exhausting process for you to be out there constantly looking, missing out on things, um, you know, falling in love with properties, not getting them. So I would say if it takes you longer than a year, and definitely if it's like a couple of years, there is something that mm. maybe you definitely need to change. But, but for us or for buyers advocates, um, I'll just give you a little bit of context. So we buy properties on average for clients within six to eight weeks. So wow. that, yeah, so that demonstrates it's actually achievable to do it within that time frame if you have all of the right tools in place. But I would say on average, Uh, people who aren't working with a buyer's advocate, somewhere between that two and six months would Mm. be like a rough benchmark to work towards. And anything longer than six months at that point in time, you might take a step back and say, okay, what what do I need to change to maybe get a different outcome here? Mm. I've got some friends that have been looking for years. Well, they say they've been looking and it's a really unfortunate reality that they've been searching um, for a long time and they haven't been able to do it. And I know I've, I've said to them, hey, to be honest, Amy, I, I, I threw you, maybe not under the bus because it's a good thing. I said, well, maybe you should work with <laughs> Amy or someone like her um, so they can help you and give you that nudge. And I think for them, it's more just confidence when they see prices going up, they think their budget's going up um, and they can't keep up with it. And it's, it's a pretty scary thing, right? So I guess the question then is like for a lot of people, I know you like the dating analogy, like it's, it, <laughs> it's not you, it's me or yeah. it's not me, it's you or something like this. Um, how do people know that if they're searching for a property, right, if they're just like not in the right headspace, they're not in the right financial space, like they're just, they're not, I guess, they're not self-reflecting and yeah. being, okay, is this realistic? Yeah, I have so many dating analogies when it comes to buying property and in this case, it can be, you know, people say, oh, it's the market or it's this or it's that or, you know, it's just too competitive. There's not enough stock when the problem is not actually the market. It's you 
Mm. You're not doing the right things to get an outcome. And if you keep focusing on that, then you're not going to buy. And so this, this is why at the very beginning, you actually need to identify the issue is that issue you <laughs> or is it other things beyond your control? And I do this a lot when I meet clients at the very beginning. Sometimes I'll sit down with clients and they're just, they're only just starting and they know they need help. So, you know, they're, they're very fresh to the market. But other times if they have been looking for a while themselves, I will sit down and help them identify what the problem is so that I know then how to help them best. So we're going to chat about a couple of common issues or reasons why you might be taking a while or missing out on things or just not getting any results and have a chat through them because that's the first thing you need to do, identify the problem so that you can then work on a solution. Yeah, for sure. Because I imagine you've done this for hundreds of clients and properties. Um, You've seen this throughout your time doing it. So, um, if anyone listening to this list that Amy's about to go through uh, can relate, um, hopefully there's some strategy that we can talk about as well uh, throughout this. So what would be number one then, Amy? Well, number one, and I talk about this all the time, I think people are sick of me talking about this, is <clears throat> not having a property brief. Yeah. So I don't know about you, Owen, but if I go to the supermarket, if I don't have a list, I am walking around lost. If I haven't sat down and meal prepped for the week and written down everything I need, I can't just go to the supermarket and walk around. Yeah. Or I can, but I'm going to be there for twice as long and I'm going to feel really frustrated. I'd probably spend more as right. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure there's people out there who are just great and can go in there and, you know, get to work. But having a property brief is like having a, a shopping list to go and buy a property. Mm-hmm. And when I sit down with clients at the very beginning, quite often they'll have a very good or at least a vague idea of what they're after, but they've never actually sat down and written it down. So that is their budget, really stress testing the budget, figuring out exactly how much they can go to, Mm -hmm. um, factoring in renovations and other costs, their locations, their non-negotiables and their bonuses, and then stress testing that brief, making sure they're on the same page as their partner doing that prep work before they get started because quite often I'll see people who haven't, you know, gone and spent time in locations. So they'll say, okay, I might consider buying in Mentone, uh, but they haven't actually spent much time there. So when a great property comes up in Mentone, they go, oh my gosh, I love this property, but I'm just not quite sure about the location. You do that first, ideally, Mm -hmm. so that if something does come up, you can make a decision. So stress testing the property brief, having a really clear and concise But just as importantly, or even more importantly, is doing a reality check. It's all well and good to write down all the things you want, but unless you go into the sold section and make sure that you can find six to eight properties that have sold in the last six months that tick all of those boxes and have sold within Mm. your budget to make sure they actually exist, there's no point in having a brief. Mm. So doing that all at the very beginning and being really clear so then you can go out shopping for that realistic property. I was thinking about this as, as you were talking through like the, the differences between um, a buyer's agent client and someone that's n- not really getting advised by a professional doing it. Um, do you often find that if they're, if people aren't realistic, and let's be honest, I think at, at times all of us have been unrealistic in what we'd hope for in the property market. Um, do, do, do you find that oftentimes when you do stress test that brief that they're, they're actually okay in the next suburb or a 
you know, on the next street? Like, is that oftentimes a solution? Yeah, definitely. So if you're, or if think of it kind of like a puzzle and if the pieces aren't fitting in together and you can't find what you're wanting, you need to change one of those pieces. So that is potentially the budget. Not everyone can change the budget. Mm -hmm. Your locations, all those, the property characteristics, whether that's the size of the property or the condition and manipulate that and then say, okay, well, something's got to give. Let's have a look in a different suburb and then see how that changes the brief. Or let's drop down a bedroom or let's look at something unrenovated and then workshop that and try and do that before you start officially looking. You can still go out there and go to inspections and do all of this research. That's fine. But ideally, you have a clear strategy once you get started and that will then give you a better outcome or a shorter time frame that you're searching because you've got a clear Mm. defined list. Yeah, because you can kind of you can kind of like trade away some of those things. Like you can you can make compromises in certain respects, maybe not in others, and identify what's really important too. And I there's guess. a common saying in the property world. I'm sure this exists in other industries, which is beer budget, champagne taste. Yeah. And sometimes I'll be speaking to real estate agents, and they'll be talking about certain buyers that they've been dealing with, and they go, "Oh yeah, you know, oh, and he's got beer budget, champagne taste. It means that you just can't afford what you want. You don't want to get that reputation as a buyer. Yeah. you're not going to get any traction with the agents if you do that. Yeah, it sounds about right for me to be honest. <laughs> okay, so what's number two then? So number two is then being too fussy. Okay. So you can have your property brief. And you can write down all of the things that you want, but then quite often I'll see buyers go out there and they'll find a property that ticks all of those boxes and they'll say, well, I just don't like it for Mm. whatever reason. I don't like the feel of it. I don't like the vibe or whatever it is. And that's okay for a couple of properties here and there. But if you're doing that to every single property that actually ticks your boxes, you need to then say, okay, well, nothing, you need to realize that nothing is going to be perfect in property. There's really no 10 out of 10. Again, kind of like online dating, (laughs) you figure out, you know, no person is perfect, but what are the things that are most important to you? What are the things that you can um, tolerate in terms of flaws or what are the things that you can and can't change? And then from there to help you figure out if you're being too fussy is you can then take that property you're looking at and maybe it's not a 10 out of 10, but it's like an eight out of 10 benchmark it against all of those properties you did in your homework when you did your reality check and see where it sits in comparison to all of those. If it is more appealing to you than a lot of those other properties, then it suggests maybe you should consider that one. So being too fussy is really, really common and you can do that a bit at the start if you want to, but you need to really address that if you get down the track and just you're just saying no to everything, even though they tick your boxes. I feel like at the beginning it's okay because you're you're kind of new to the market and you think to yourself, well, I'm not in a rush, so yeah. I so I can just go hope and pray kind of strategy. But eventually, I imagine like a lot of people need the professional help to do that, unless they have a very clear set of rules. They've spoken to their partner if they're in a couple, and they've got a very clear set of rules. So we're going to go for this, and then we're going to compromise in this way and check in. Um, I'd imagine that that's not an easy conversation for you to have, like you know, to, to diagnose someone or a couple or, you know, a group of people when they come in trying to buy a, <laughs> a property. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're probably being a bit too fussy. Um, I, I, yeah, I can only imagine that's not an easy conversation to have. No, I've learned to be very diplomatic in the way that I <laughs> communicate these kind of things. But 
I do, I will sit down with people at some point in time and say, well, look at all of these properties that you're telling me that these have ticked your boxes, but you've not pursued any of them. Why are the, what are the reasons behind this? And I will be really blunt with them and I'll say, I'll I'll tell you what I think your issue is. I think that you are aiming for perfection or you're trying to find something where you have that feel of when you walk into a property, feel like it's your home. It's very hard to it find that. If you do, great. But if not, figure out, well, why doesn't it feel right? Maybe it's because it's just not styled the way you want it to be. Or maybe you can go in and change the paint and change the kitchen, change the landscaping and you'll create that feel. But Mm. don't go into that expecting it. It's kind of like going (laughs) online dating and expecting to have love at first sight. I think I went on like six or seven dates with my partner before I decided to <laughs> get into a relationship with him. And now we're married 10 years later. Yeah. So just, yeah, figure out like if you're being too fussy, what are the reasons behind that? And you really, really need to identify that, especially if your partner is like saying yes to a bunch of things and you're saying no. Yeah. And or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Need almost a bit of, um, Going on the dating analogy, maybe we need a bit of um, intervention from some, uh, <laughs> some experts here. Um, so, okay, so we've got uh, not having the property brief and t- stress testing it and then being too fussy. Number three? Is not adjusting to the market. So this is uh, – the market can increase over time. It can decrease, can sometimes mm. do nothing. This is a really challenging because it can be quite hard to track And there's no data out there that says this is exactly what the market is doing. Data does come out, but it lags in property. And it's also very generalized. So it might say, you know, this suburb has increased by 3% in the last three months. doesn't mean that property, that specific type of property that you're looking for has increased 3%. There's so many sub-markets in property. So data is not helpful. The only way to be tracking these things properly is for you to be in that market tracking property sales, going to auctions or, you know, seeing how quickly properties are selling, being really immersed in it. And the more you do that, the more you will then get an understanding of what's happening in that sub-market you are looking at. Are prices increasing? Are prices decreasing? Is it really competitive? Are things starting to ease off a little bit? There is no magic answer here. You need to do all of this and then you need to adjust. So if the market is clearly going up, and you're comparing your property search to things that have been selling six months ago when prices were softer, then it means that maybe you need to change your expectations or you need to increase your Mm. budget a little bit or be more competitive with Mm. your offers. Mm. And the same issue or a different issue can happen when prices decrease because then buyers, it's just this psychology where they say, okay, prices have started to go down. Maybe I should wait maybe prices yeah. will go down even further. But all of a sudden you can afford something which you couldn't have afforded six months ago. You need to see that as an opportunity rather than a reason to then procrastinate further. So quite often I see people not adjusting to the market, but then also using the market as an excuse by saying, the market's too hot, I'm just going to wait and see until it cools down. Well, there's not enough stock, I'm going to wait for more stock. Or the market's decreasing, I'm going to see if it goes down further. Yeah. Just using it as an excuse. I was just chatting to Monique, uh, our podcast producer. She's probably going to listen back to this and be like, oh, no, he's used me as a case study. <laughs> um, but I was saying to her, like, you know, you're in pretty good income. Your income's on the up as well. Like you've, you're building equity in your primary residence. And if prices fall, 
or at least go soft for a little while, it's probably a good thing for you, even if the headlines say it's bad, because that could be the opportunity that you do want to upgrade. Uh, and those opportunities don't always come along. So be ready for those. Plan now for mm. what you might be doing in 12 or 18 months. And um, it kind of got her excited because it's like that variant perception. Like people think, well, you know, it's hard to find a property. Like they kind of get that victim mentality. But that's the reason that you can find a good property because it is hard. Yeah. You know? The reason why we can't have full visibility, we can't have full visibility on every suburb, on every property. But that's actually a good thing because if we did, then there wouldn't be all these opportunities, right? So exactly, um, using all of these things to your advantage is about preparedness and being flexible, which is so important. And if I go back to the thought of the, my friends before who are looking for a property, have been looking for years. I don't think they've been flexible because they've they've kind of anchored to the prices of when they started searching, and they're like, well. You know, it was 700000 then and now it's a million, like mm. overvalued, you know. That's what they think. Oh, yes, that's so common. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, exactly. You're just living in the past. Yeah, crazy. Um, okay, so number four. Number four is just not being proactive with the local real estate agents because I don't think I've ever met a single buyer who has sat down and said, okay, well, this is my property brief here's a list of every single agent that sells properties in the areas that I'm looking at and then called and emailed every single one of them. Mm. You can do that though. That's what I do. That's what <laughs> half of my day is doing that. But of course, first of all, other people have other things to do. <laughs> mm. But you, if you, even if you just set aside half an hour a day in your lunch break or something to do all of these things, that is how you're going to get a faster result because you're going to get access to properties which are off market. So those are properties that aren't on the internet. We buy around 30% of our clients' properties off market. There are thousands, tens of thousands out there at any point in time. You might get access to properties that are pre-market, going mm. to go online soon, but maybe you could buy it prior. Or even properties that maybe you hadn't considered or didn't pop up in your search or are struggling, even though you thought that was going to go over budget and the agent says, no, I don't have much interest in this one. It might be an opportunity. That's how as buyers agents, we get faster, better, quicker outcomes because we uh, do all of that. You can do it as well. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, so important. I'm just thinking back. We actually ended up buying a house because of that, mm. we just developed a relationship with an agent and the agent told us two weeks before a house was coming on the market, hey, this house, I can't show it to you right now, but this is, we've just it's signed. It's coming up, yeah. Yeah, it's coming up. And we just went and stood outside the front and we're like, okay. <laughs> you waited ready. there. You waited yeah. like a, you, it was like a, a, a concert that you were waiting for tickets <laughs> out the front. <laughs> no, but we, we, we walked past and we, we knew as soon yeah. as just looking from the outside, we're like, we know that this is the house for us. And to be honest, when we finally did go online, the the, Im, the the images were the photos were terrible. It's because they'd had a rush job, and um, that was just a huge opportunity for us. And it all started because we actually just spoke to the real estate agent. It yeah. sounds so simple, but you you had a competitive advantage there because you got prepped so that when that property came on the market, you acted really swiftly. Yeah, and you had an advantage because other people weren't able to move as fast. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and that's what we're talking about, right? Like it, it's mm. being proactive is probably the, the overarching thing here. Being prepared is so important. So well, that kind of leads us to the next one, which yes, is <laughs> number yes, five, which, prioritizing your property search. So treat this kind of more like a job than a hobby. I'm not saying put 40 hours a week into it, mm. but quite often I will meet people who 
I say to them, okay, well, this is your, you've told me this is your property brief and I've just gone through the sold section and I've found like a bunch of properties that have sold, which tick the boxes. Did you go and look at this one? Did you go see this one? And they'll say to me, oh no, I didn't see that one because I was, you know, I was taking a break at that point in time. Or, oh, I didn't see that one. I must not have seen it come online because they're not doing that proactive searching. So when you're looking for a property, you need to be searching every week, setting up alerts, speaking to agents, tracking results, doing everything proactively because like with anything in life, the more effort you put in, the better outcome you're going to have. So you can't use the excuse of saying, I've been looking for a year if you've only then gone out and looked at a couple of properties or, you know, not not searched every week. You're just not going to get the outcome. You said notifications there. Where do you get notifications from? So on realestate.com.au or domain, you can set up saved searches. So type in the suburbs you're looking at, the price points, and click, um, you can click save the search, and then you can get sent alerts, email alerts when new properties come online. Yeah, great. And you, I guess it's you could probably do a similar thing with local agents. You could get on their mailing list and those types of things. But not You wouldn't yeah. get the push notifications, but maybe an email or something. Even, I mean, you can go to the extent of following them on social media. Feel free to unfollow them later on. But <laughs> they'll put up updates of sold results and they'll sometimes put up off-markets on their Instagram stories. You know, you can do so much more than you realize. Mm. And again, you'll get a, you will get a faster result, just like as advocates. Like we do all of these things. Mm. That's why we buy so much faster. We used to have a rule in the stock market. Uh, we used to have a rule that was, um, it was called, it's, basically, it's called the Herald Reader Effect. And basically when there was only the Herald, like in Victoria, you have the Herald Sun or whatever. Um, but uh, it was this idea that once it's made the Herald, it's too late. That would be, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't believe in it for what it's worth. But it's this idea that like once everyone knows about it, i.e. realestate.com.au or domain, like time is of the essence. If you want to go and see that property or whatever, like it doesn't sit there forever. So yeah. Um, or wanna- yeah, because you might see, if you see something come online, Ideally, you know, you're getting these off markets and pre-markets. That's awesome. That's a bonus. But otherwise, if you see a property come online and it ticks all of your boxes, don't wait to go and see it. Go to the first open for inspection or organize a private inspection. Don't wait till the second week. It might sell before then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just go and do it. So, you've got the notifications. And as much as I know that life is important, if you've got, you know, kids' sports every Saturday, so you've got all these holidays booked and everything – that's okay. Like you have to do those things, but then just realize that will have an, it can have an impact on your property search. So then it didn't say, oh, you know, it's, it's the market. I can't buy anything. If you're prioritizing other things. Mm. Okay. So six out of six is our last one from the list. What is it? This last one is very, very, very common. Okay. And <laughs> it is, people just don't know what they're doing when it comes to buying a property. Mm. How would you know? Because no one teaches you these things. You don't get given a 101 how to buy a property when you go to an inspection. And every agent might have a different process on how they sell properties. Every state is different. There is so much complexity here. So if you don't know all of the steps involved, if you don't know how to do your due diligence, if you don't know the right questions to ask, if you don't know how to appraise a property, all of these things, of course, it's going to be harder for you because it means that you will potentially lack some confidence. You won't be able to back yourself in your decision making. You might have analysis paralysis because you're focusing on the wrong things. So this is just really common in that maybe you've done your property search and you know what you're after, 
but you just don't know what you're doing and you don't have the confidence and therefore there's a lot of procrastination or inaction. Mm. I feel like people have the choice now. You can follow Amy on Instagram. You can go and take a course, which we'll get to in a minute, or you can learn from sources online that are trustworthy and you can speak to professionals. So knowing, like it seems daunting when you're buying a house, not knowing what you're doing, but if you just listen to say this podcast each and every week, in three months from now, you'll be vastly more educated on the topic of buying property than you would have otherwise. And you can do yeah. that for free now. Um, you can educate yourself. You can, you can, um, you can uh, overcome this drawback by going out there and being proactive. Don't just expect it to happen. If you don't try and teach yourself, there's podcasts, there's my online course. If you live in Victoria, there's books, there's, there's so many resources out there that you can lean upon these days. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it, this is, especially for property, there's so much content. The hardest part I think is just deciphering what's reliable and what's not. And I think that's where you want to be quite, um, I guess, discerning in the way you choose to consume the right content. Like, no There is some bad, yeah, it is yeah. hard as well because the industry is so unregulated. And mm. I know I've just said go out and listen to podcasts, but I have listened to other property podcasts <laughs> and they say things. I'm like, that's not really correct or that's not yeah. right. So, yeah, you do have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt, but it's better than doing nothing. Oh, it's better than doing well, – yeah, you've got to live somewhere. If it's really important to you, like we have this – thing in uh, on the stocks and etf side of investing and it's like no one cares more about your future than you do like you can get a financial advisor and they're paid to act in your best interest but at the end of the day it's your future not theirs so you've got to understand what's happening and why it's happening even if you do pay a professional you're going to be engaged in some way so you're going to have that base level of knowledge um, and you'll feel more confident working with a professional so it yeah. makes sense okay Amy. so we've got of the six things we've got not having a property brief and stress testing it being too fussy um, adjusting to the market, it can be really hard. So people don't always do that. They don't adjust. They like anchor on previous prices. Not being proactive with local real estate agents. Anyone can do this. Like just put yourself out there. It's okay to be vulnerable and give them a call. Um, number five is prioritizing the property search. Like treat it as a job, not just as something that's like a fleeting interest or something like this. And number six is if you don't know what you're doing, invest some time in yourself and it doesn't cost anything. There's no better time than today. You're listening to this podcast, which is fantastic. So one thing that we talk about um, on like this particularly Australian finance podcast is knowing uh, what you can control, like your circle of influence and what you can't control. And it's that whole idea of like what's important, what's knowable, what's unknowable, all of these types of things. So I guess i just throw that over to you then. Like what are the steps that, what are the things that people can control and what can't they control? Yeah, so this is really important because sometimes you can be doing everything right and it's like when you're working with a buyer's agent, you know, we're doing everything right. We're doing as much as we can to get you an outcome, but you can't control everything because, for example, sometimes other people will have more money than you yeah. and if you go and bid at an auction and someone wants it more and they've got more money, you can have done everything right up till that stage and you can still not get that property. So the most important thing to take away from this episode is that there is plenty that you can't control in the property world, but there is also plenty that you can control. And that is going back and identifying all of those issues and then focusing on them and trying to fix them because then you won't have any regrets. You'll feel uh, less despondent because you know you're doing everything right. 
because at the end of the day, it can still sometimes take some time. We had this one client one time where I think we were the underbidder on like seven properties. Oh, wow. And that was just, and it was a hot market, but that was just bad luck. We were doing everything right. So I think it's important to then <clears throat> know how, know if you're on the right track with your property search. So maybe it is taking longer, but mm. there are some signs or some signals to say, no, you are on the right track. Maybe it's just been a bit of bad luck. Bad luck. And one of those things, if you are constantly the underbidder, underbidder means you're the second highest bidder at auction, or maybe you've just missed out on a property that's a private sale because someone's paid a little bit more. That's actually not a bad thing. I know it feels bad, mm -hmm. but it means you're on the right track. You're very, very close as opposed to having two or three people who are above you at the auction, or you're missing out by 20, 30, 40, 50 grand every time, then it would suggest you right. need to adjust expectations. Interesting. That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, and also having at least one, we call them green light properties, on average per month. So that is a property that ticks all the boxes and you say, yes, this is a property that I'm going to pursue. Mm -hmm. If you don't have at least one on average a month, you might need to change that property brief or maybe you are being too fussy. Interesting. And well, that would make a lot of sense because then you know that, yeah, you're too fussy or it's unrealistic in any yeah. way. If you're just constantly looking and you can't find anything that you want to buy and make offers on, there's definitely an issue there around expectations. Yeah. So if you're not out there finding green lights, making offers, maybe being the underbidder a couple of times um, and you're six months in and you're getting no progress, then they're there's most likely an issue that you need to identify. Um, and at that point in time, you might consider then getting professional help. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people listening to this are probably relating to that being the underbidder or being two steps removed, three steps removed from that. Um, I like that idea of one green light a month and I was trying to relate that to my own circumstance and it probably was similar to that, uh, to be honest. Um, okay, in terms of getting professional help, obviously uh, you're a buyer's agent, uh, you help people and we've done plenty of other episodes and we did also the property brief episode not too long ago, which um, which I'll call out as well. That was heaps of fun. So that's a couple of months ago now, still as relevant as ever though. Um, in terms of engaging a professional, um, can you maybe just describe the role of a buyer's agent and how they're paid? Maybe it's probably a good start. Yeah, so a buyer's agent is paid exclusively by the buyer. So unlike the real estate agent who's selling the property and they're charging mm. their vendor or their seller a commission, we charge our buyers either a flat rate or a commission and we just work exclusively for them. I charge a flat rate, for example, so you know exactly how much you're going to be paying up front. And then I'm going to manage this whole process for you. A buyer's agent is going to, for example, if you've been looking for a long time, you're missing out, they'll sit down at the start and they'll identify those problems and they will help you solve those problems. Hmm. They will be the ones out there doing all of the searching for you, communicating with all of the agents, holding your hand, doing all the due diligence, the negotiation, the bidding, the everything, so that yes, you're going to be involved still, but you don't have to make, right. you don't have to do the high level things. And that's why we get a quicker outcome. And on average, we'll buy way more off markets than people would get access to themselves is because we do all of those things. And of course, if you get a professional, you're going to be paying, you know, a significant cost in, in yeah. some situations 
of course you want to have a better outcome than what you could do yourself. Mm. So you might consider getting a buyer's agent from the very beginning if you already feel like you're going to need extra help. Or you might say, let's let's try this for four, six, eight months by myself and then consider getting someone yeah. because then I'll know at least I've tried. Mm. Um, Chris always talks about this. He doesn't talk about it as much on the podcast, but he always talks about like a growth mindset. And I've always been like, Chris, what do you mean by that? <laughs> this idea of like a lot of people that do not have a growth mindset is probably the easiest way to explain it. They would see the cost of paying someone and be like, that's a big cost. Where someone with a growth mindset would be like, yeah, if I pay the price, then I get a better outcome, which means I make more money. Mm. Right? And so uh, it's like the old you know, cost of a cleaner type thing. Oh, it's $50 for a clean of my house. Yeah, but then you've got an hour to do something else. Um, and it's just inverting some of that those those kind of perceptions that we have about well you can um I, I could sort of apply that to anything that you pay for as a service in life you know hair getting your hair cut getting your hair dyed you can go do that yourself yeah most people important. don't yeah and it's for women it's a significant cost to get your hair cut and colored <laughs> yeah. but they're gonna do it better than you so you yeah. make that decision yeah. end of the day um i'll give uh, one shout out to your course before um i'll ask you another question which is um, you can get Amy's course uh, online. There's always a link in every week's episode. You can um, check out the course. It's all online, self-paced. Um, check it out. And it's a lot cheaper than seeing, you know, most buyers mm-hmm. agents. So you can do that. Um, but Amy, let's say someone's like not in Victoria. Um, is there a place they can go to find out uh, whether there are buyers agents or could they get in contact with you and or something? Like, how does that How does that work if you're trying to find one? Yeah, I think that um, referrals are always a great place to start off if you have any friends or family that have used a buyer's agent in the area that you're looking at. Um, You can go on to, you know, Reba, for example, which is um, a buyer's advocate association. It doesn't have everyone on there. Like I'm not a member of Reba, for example. Right. But it still ha- is a point it's that you could go to. Um, you can jump into, you know, Facebook groups, et cetera, say, you know, who's had a great experience. Mm-hmm. You can reach out to me as well. I've got a couple of connections interstate too if you would like me to pass you along to someone as well. Yeah, great. Mm. And um, everyone knows Pete as well. Pete's on the show. so um, Yeah, Pete's up in you, Brisbane. Yeah. yeah, Pete's up in Brisbane. So if you're buying in any of these areas uh, and your mortgage broker like Chris or, so, or whoever might know good people as well. Yeah. So if I ever have someone looking up in Sydney, I'll just send them to Chris because Chris knows all of the agents, the buyer's agents in Sydney. It's very um, location specific in Sydney. You know, if you're buying in the West or the North or the East. Yeah. Yeah, True. True. Well, I mean, this has been heaps of fun. A lot of of people are struggling with this now because they're thinking there's not that much stock on the market. Um, What can I do? What can I control? And I think I was just saying to you off air before about this an injured term called resulting. We often judge the quality of our decisions based on the result of them, um, not really realizing that actually the process and the way we got to that decision was actually very good and it was the right thing. We were just unlucky at this time. Um, we can't control interest rates. We can't control the amount of stock on the market. But what we can control is our preparedness and self-reflecting, communicating with our partner if we're buying together, um, communicating with the experts around us and getting them on the side. So this is heaps of fun, Amy. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for tuning in to the Australian Property Podcast. If you love the show, why not subscribe or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify? And if you want to work with me, Amy, Pete or Chris, you'll find links in your podcast player to get in contact with us.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. We're huge advocates of getting the right advice at the right time from the right people. That's why it's important to understand that this podcast episode contained general financial information only. It is not designed to be specific or personalized to your financial, tax, or legal situation. With property, the check sizes are pretty big, so it's important you get advice from a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information you hear in RAS podcasts. Thanks again for listening. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service. Designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.